0: Hello and welcome to the Can We Ask You This podcast. My name is Corey. I'm Razi. And we are so grateful that you are joining us. This podcast is a place to to hear real stories from real people, gain perspective, and get a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, Today we have a special guest, Tolu, who is joining us
1: really, really great conversation, really important conversation. We're going to be talking about gender identity, pronouns, how that works with a relationship with God. So Tolu is somebody who has, I won't give it all away, but she's somebody who has struggled with gender identity uh, throughout her life. And she's going to talk about what that was like while also having a relationship with Jesus and where she's at now. Yeah, one of the things I love about it is, is is her story. So this might be a controversial topic, but it is also her story, and I think it's a great way to listen and learn.
0: Let's jump in. Welcome, Tolu.
1: Hey, Corey.
0: Hey, so great to have you with us today.
1: Hey, Tolu. Hey, Rosie. <laughs> thanks, thanks to you guys for having uh,
0: me. Oh, we're so excited about the conversation to get uh, kind of the viewers and everyone kind of familiar. With who you are can you just tell us a little bit about yourself
2: okay so you know my name my name is tolu i was born and raised in nigeria a few years ago
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, very very few years ago few, yeah <laughs> just a
2: few i moved to calgary with my family nine years ago we've been members here at fac ever since i am uh, primarily trained as a family physician but right now i'm working in christian ministry here at the church. I'm married to a really great guy who's been my friend for a long time. We have two miracle children, I call them. (laughs) They're God's gifts. Uh, And uh, one of them is uh, 18 now. So that's like super amazing.
1: And our younger one is 12. Wow. Wow. Well, you're amazing. (laughs) I want to ask more about how you made the transition from medical doctor to ministry. (laughs) But maybe we'll get to that a little bit later because that's quite a shift as well. Mm -hmm. Probably for the money, I'm guessing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> just, just kidding if anybody thought that sarcastic. was serious. Yeah. <laughs> so, you started attending FAC nine years ago when you moved, but when did you meet Jesus for the first time or when did your faith become real to you?
2: So, I was about 10 when my mom sat me down and told me the story of the gospel. I didn't agree with many things my mom said, oh, okay. <laughs> but that day I agreed. It made total sense. And she said, do you want to accept Jesus into your heart? And I was like, yes. And so she prayed with me. And yeah, I was
1: 10 going on 11 when I gave my heart to Jesus. I'm sure your faith then looks different than it does today. But how did that kind of grow and evolve over the years?
2: When I look back, uh, I was that 10-year-old kid who just fell in love with this Jesus that I Mm. heard about. And I was like, I want him. You know, I want him Mm. in my life. I want him... Yeah, I want this Jesus. And I started to pray from that time on. I'm pretty sure it's very different for people who accept Jesus as kids versus as adults. Mm -hmm. But as a kid, I was just totally trusting that I was conversing with God and he was conversing with me. So I would ask God, should I play there today? You know, like, uh, should I eat that today? I would have these conversations. I look back now and that was really precious Mm -hmm. because I really know I was in relationship with the Lord. But it didn't necessarily mean I did the right things or made many right choices. (laughs) And, of course, when I became an older teenager, I struggled quite a bit with my faith. You know, I was like, hmm, I don't even know. Do I really believe? What do I really believe? Mm. Uh, When I was about 18 and I was in university, I had to make some tough choices. Like, am I going to follow this Jesus or not? Um, Because I'd known him most of my life but I wasn't necessarily following him. Mm -hmm. So I always say, yes, I I prayed to have Jesus in my heart when I was 10, but I chose to follow
1: him when I was about 18. Yeah, there's a a difference there, hey? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing your story. And the topic today that we're going to jump into, it's obviously a very sensitive topic. So Mm -hmm. we really appreciate Mm -hmm. uh, you and your openness to share not only your journey with Jesus, but just kind of your your struggle with gender identity. And mm-hmm. I would love for you to maybe share with us, when did you first know that gender identity was something that you were struggling with?
2: My earliest memories have been about my gender identity struggle. Wow. One of my first memories was, uh, my mom says I was about two or three, and she'd just given me a bath, and I came out of the bath and I asked, uh what is wrong i'm supposed to be a boy and she was mm. like that young no you're a girl and i was like no i'm a boy uh, something is wrong and i i still remember that day because i really felt anxious even as a child that young that something switched to my somebody switched who i meant to be and there's been a mistake I, it was something i used to say a lot as a child was there's been a mistake in heaven? I'm not supposed to be this way. Um, so I do have those memories. And apparently those are my memories. My mom has memories that go even before then. As soon as I was conscious of who I was, the first thing I asked is, why am I a girl? Wow. And, wow. and I carried that on for pretty much all my life till I was a young adult. Can I ask, what was your mom's response to that? At first, I remember that day when I asked, what's the problem? She just said, you're a girl. And I was like, no, I'm not. And we had this little argument. Now that I'm a mom, I just (laughs) (laughs) imagine this mom arguing with this child who can't even speak very clearly. I think she just brushed it off and was like, you know, this is just whatever. And then as I got older and I learned about prayer, I repeatedly asked my mom, have you been praying that I change? And she'd be like, uh, no. And I'd be like, like that you, you changed really need- to a boy? Yeah. Okay. I-, I just believe God could do that. You okay. know, I was like, and I-, I got taught God answers prayers. So mm-hmm. my response was, Well then can you pray for me that I-, I change, that I become a boy? And so I repeatedly used to ask, she didn't really answer. She'd just be like, Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm praying. And then one day she said to me, No, I'm not praying and I can't pray that prayer. And, mm. and it was a real defining point for me because then she told me, I, I can't pray and I don't think that's something I, that's going to happen even if I pray. So, no. And I, I felt really conflicted yeah. and really
1: upset that day. Um, were you? I'm just wondering what your response was. So you were probably in the church. Did you tell people at church how you're feeling with this? And was there a stigma around it if you did? Or what was the reaction like there?
2: So that's something that's always interesting to me. I was born in West Africa. Um, so these things I'm telling you were like in a culture that didn't even recognize gender identity issues and a time when it wasn't at- trending. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. now, if you say, oh, I have these gender issues, there's some, there's literature and there's, you know, counseling and teams and, you know, transitions teams and your GP or your family doctor is all over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not how it was when I was a kid. Um, and that's not how it, it was in the culture that I was born in. Uh, we're talking West Africa. <laughs> it, it wasn't a thing. It was just someone would either laugh and say, okay, wear it, kid. (laughs) Uh, Some people used to say, oh, she's a tomboy. Many people called me a tomboy. They'd be like, that's just how she is. She's just a tomboy, you know. And it was a, a running joke uh, at school. I had a reputation amongst some people that I was strange. And when I think back now, I'm not proud of some of these things, but I was a kid who would fight you in the playground if you took my cookie. I wasn't going to cry like, you know, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't your typical girl. So I, again, I had a reputation with the boys like, don't go near her. She's <laughs> wild um, uh. type thing. So it just became, oh, she's a tomboy. She's strange. You know, she has. Yeah, whatever. It wasn't a thing mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a problem either it wasn't perceived as oh you know you could be having anxiety because you feel trapped in a girl's body or yeah. it wasn't acknowledged in that way it was just oh go put a dress on and be you know
1: just be a girl <laughs> were you dressing like a boy were you dressing in whatever your mom or dad told you to wear
2: okay so i used to choose to wear boyish things yeah and my mom would sometimes fight me on that she'd be like no you're wearing a dress and I'd be like no I'm not Mm. and we used to fight over oh I bought you a doll and I'd be like do not play with dolls (laughs) Mm. like I want a gun and cars (laughs) we used to argue I'd be like I like cars and guns and my mom would be (laughs) like no you will play with dolls and you know you'll bake and I'm like no I'm not doing that so like I said, my mom must have had a hard time because we used to argue about yeah. all those things. Yeah. I, I was pretty young. I was, I was still a kid. And it was just, you know, you wear a dress. No, I won't. And then I would end up wearing the dress and be frowning. Um, you're going to put ribbons in your hair. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not wearing any ribbons in my yeah. hair. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I look back at the pictures now. And some of them I'll be frowning wearing a dress. But that was the culture. You did what your parents told you to do. Um, if they said wear a dress, I could complain, but I would wear the dress. Okay, yeah.
0: So uh, thanks for sharing that a little bit of your childhood and, you know, just kind of like your process and kind of what you're thinking. As you grew older, what were some of the, the thoughts as you could start deciding, you know, well, I'm not wearing a dress, I'm not putting bows in. What yeah? What were your thoughts as you kind of grew older?
2: Yeah, so I would default to dressing in a boyish way. And that's why I got the reputation, oh, she's just a tomboy. She likes Mm -hmm. being that way. As I started to approach puberty, it was probably one of the more challenging times. The thing about puberty is the rise of certain hormones. And hormones affect everything, not just how your body behaves, but how your brain. It all starts Mm -hmm. with the brain. God has created us with these glands in our head (laughs) that will produce these substances that will trigger these responses in our human bodies to be a certain way, to look a certain way and think a certain way. So I was a pretty anxious preteen because I have two sisters and a brother. I'm the youngest of four and they're a little bit older than me. So I used to watch them a lot and just watch how they were. I, I watched my sisters go through puberty and in my mind, I was like, I am not. Doing that. <laughs> you know, like, it's not happening to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes I would tell my mom, you know, I really do not want to go through that. And mm-hmm. she'd be like, What do you mean? You're going to go through it. It's just nature. And I'd be like, I don't want to go through that. Yeah. I used to pray about that. I'd be like, God, please don't let this happen to me. Like, if my body changes, I'll be trapped forever mm. in this body I do not want. Mm. Like, can you please just help me? So, My anxiety rose and rose uh, the older I got as a young teenager, as I couldn't stop what was happening to my body and I couldn't stop what was happening in my brain, but I was fighting it. So I was a pretty, I don't know, lopsided kid. I had many mood swings, lots of anxieties that I couldn't even tell anyone about because they wouldn't get it. You know, like, how do you tell people I don't want my body to change? And here's one thing I didn't say. My dad made sure I went to a girl's high school. Like he actually told me I didn't want to go there because I didn't really like girls. And he was like, you know why you're going to that school? And I said, no, because you're mean or you yeah. know, you're trying to ruin my life. Aww. And he was like, it's because you really need to be around your type. And I was like, I don't like girls. I don't want to mm. be a girl. So I went to a girls school and everyone was going through uh, the stages and I just hated my life basically Uh at that time. There was no such thing as puberty blockers, which is why I keep saying I was born in a different culture where the things I went through, it would be a totally different kind of experience today for if I was the same kid. And I was born maybe 10 years ago, and I was born like 6,000 miles more west. My story might be a completely different one, yeah. but I went through all those things too, you know, like the dread of puberty, the
1: dread of changing. Can I ask, so you were praying to God, don't let this happen to me. Obviously, he didn't intervene um, and just prevent puberty. What was that like for your faith? Because you had become a Christian at 10, and then, I don't know, I'm imagining that it would have felt like, aren't you listening to me? I, mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What was that like for you?
2: Definitely there was that conflict of, God, what do you want from me? Like, I didn't make myself. And where did these feelings come from? Mm. Are they not from you? I always say I was born that way. When people are like, I was born that way, I say that too. That's definitely how I was born. Those are my earliest memories. That's who I'd always known myself to be, was this person who was not happy in the body she was born with. Hmm. Sometimes I struggled. I didn't really start to express it that way until I was about 20, was when it became a struggle. And it was like, so God, what do you want from me? You know, like, what am I supposed to do with who I am? And what am I supposed to do with how I feel? You know, wh- where is all that in your plan? It was in the place of prayer um, that I, I got the answers to those questions.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, we'd love to hear how, how like, your faith, you know, and your journey kind of intersect. And yeah. we're, we're all here to hear your story, so.
2: Oh, man. Yeah. So as a teenager who didn't want to go through puberty, I was denied that prayer request. <laughs> it happened anyway. Mm-hmm. And I it's okay. I, I kind of accepted it. My mom's position was always very solid, which I think it did have an impact on how things went. And she she didn't really uh, approach what I was going through anxiously. She kind of mm. always would be like, you are who you are. And there's nothing I can do about that. You know, that was her. Her thing was, you are who you are. I know she was praying for me. Um, maybe that's why she sat me down and told me about Jesus. I know she was really praying for me. None of my siblings had that issue. So it was very much a new thing for her as well mm-hmm. but she was always very calm about it you know like even when i was like i do not want to go through this she'd be like you'll be okay you know and you know and i'm like this is going to kill me and she'd be like no it won't <laughs> in a way um her lack of anxiety affected my anxieties um even mm. though again the flip side to that is i felt she didn't care that much so again, I had my struggles with her was I'm not even going to talk to you because you don't get it type of attitude. Yeah. She was very solid. My dad also was like, what is, you know, what, what what's her issue now? You're going to girls school, you know, like yeah. Um. they did what they knew to do at the time with what the situation was. I talked to God about it quite a lot. You know, I, I had these conversations with God where I'm like, This is how I'm feeling. And I think because I'd been praying since I was a kid, I was always very honest in prayer. Mm. Um, And I'd be like, you know, and I I always used to ask God, this is how I feel. What do you think? You know, what do you say? Um, I wasn't big on reading my Bible. So it's not like I'd be like, oh, you know, the Bible says in this passage, this, this, this. I would hear from God like deep in my heart that I was getting answers to my questions and I knew it wasn't me because it hardly ever was the answer I wanted to hear. You know, there'd be times when I'd be like, God, I really want to do this. May I? And I would get a no. And I'd be like, what? But there's nothing wrong with doing that. Why would you say no to me? You know, but it was normal for me to talk with God. Here's what the Bible says, and this is why the things I went through later on in my life, I started to see how the Bible already talked about those things, mm-hmm. like like Jesus saying my sheep hear my voice and they know me. It is so true, mm-hmm. you know and yeah. and so I did know that voice, even if I didn't always agree with him. I would have conversations with God, ask my questions, vent my frustrations. sometimes I wouldn't hear anything back, and sometimes I would, but it was in that place of prayer that I, I started to hear from God about who I was. And then it, even though it wasn't easy because it wasn't who I wanted to be, that was where my journey to deliverance and healing started. Wow.
1: Thank you for sharing that. So
0: from, from the outside, like for someone looking in and seeing you and your family, Kind of looks like a fairly <laughs> normal, <laughs> normal family from oh, I hope so. <laughs> right from the from the outside looking in. And I, I think people would would have never guessed, you know, uh, about your struggle with gender identity. How did your struggle kind of play into uh, your marriage, and you know what led? to you identifying as as a woman and marrying a man, starting a family, that whole journey.
2: Like I said, when I was 20, I kind of reached a breaking point where it was do or die for me, kind of. It was like, where are we going with this? I, I don't know if I can live like this. Like, God, what do you want from me? And one of the things that led to that point for me was when I realized I also had same-sex attraction as an issue. So it wasn't just my struggles with my gender identity, because I was a boyish kind of girl who didn't really care for girlish things, uh, I didn't really talk to girls, like one-on-one, like close, girly, sisterly. I didn't really like that kind of thing. I just stomached being in a girl's school for six years. I couldn't wait to be, like, rid of...
0: Six you years. Know, wow. like I, I
2: just saw... So as soon as I finished high school, I was like, not never again. <laughs> like, just stay yeah. away from me type of thing. So my friends were mostly guys. I had a brotherhood with my guy friends. I felt way more comfortable uh, with my guy friends than girls. I just found girls really complex, hard to figure out type things. So.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, saying that, I also had the same hormones, so I don't really know what my issue was. But anyway. Um, Did you, sorry, just to clarify, um, you felt attracted to females? I've, I had to realize what exactly my sexuality was okay, at, at one point. Because okay. uh, for a long time, I denied having any sexuality. Like, it wasn't even a thing for me. I'm like, I don't talk to boys and I don't talk to girls. I, I, I may have been a slightly angry kid because I wasn't happy with who I was anyway. So I, I sometimes had this... I don't really care for anyone anyway, so stay away from me type Mm. of attitude. Um, Eventually, I found I, I preferred the male gender to hang around with, so I did have more guy friends. And then, when I was in university... I was still that way. Like if a guy came and tried to talk to me, (laughs) I'd probably just stare them down and be like, sorry, what? Like move on. Like just walk on. (laughs) Uh, That that was kind of my attitude. Slightly intimidating and, you know, just not very nice because I wanted that door shut. I didn't want to acknowledge that I was a sexual being anyway. So Mm. I was like, don't come near me. Don't talk to me. Just stay away. It was one day when my friends were talking about their crushes and um one of them was saying how he had a crush on this particular girl and i was like i could have a crush on that girl too you know hmm. and and then i thought wait what i was thinking that and then i was like i'm not a lesbian i'm like what's going on you know so but i i could i could see myself having a crush on that girl she's like she's hot you know so
1: Interesting. and
2: and then yeah. i i was really confused at that point like what exactly am i because what i've realized is Gender identity issues do not necessarily mean homosexual mm-hmm. homosexuality. Yeah. Like some people who have an unhappiness with their gender, they're not necessarily same-sex attracted. Yeah. Um, some of them are actually asexual. They don't want to know about it. Um, some are same-sex attracted and some are not. Some are heterosexual in their thinking, in their sexual attraction. So it's pretty complex that way. You can't judge anyone who's maybe in the LGBTQ community that you know what they feel Mm because everyone's so unique anyway. And just because you're transitioning uh, gender doesn't mean you're same-sex attracted. So, But for me, I realized that day, how am I finding a girl attractive? That's really weird. And so it was at that point I started to have some strong conversations with God, like exactly what am I and what do you want me to be? Like Mm -hmm. what am I supposed to be? And started to really look deep into my own feelings. And when God answered me, which I was really grateful for an answer because I'd been praying about it for a while. I didn't really know what I was hearing. And it was one particular day when I was like, I was really in tears. I was like, I need to hear from you today. Mm -hmm. Like, I am dying on my inside. What is wrong with me? And I remember just hearing that same voice that I always heard. And he said, just ask me. And I will take this confusion from you. And that's what I heard. He just said, it's not you. It's a confusion. Ask me and I will take it away. And here's what I'll explain. Even though I had all these feelings, I was deeply dissatisfied with my humanity. It wasn't nice. I was anxious. I was sometimes miserable. I was angry. I was dissatisfied. I was not a happy camper. Mm. So part of my issue with God was, I'm not even happy. Like, what is, would you help me please? You know, like... Uh, I don't even know if it's having a girlfriend or a boyfriend that would make me happy right now. Mm. Um, and I, you know, like in my time, the option for transitioning your gender just wasn't there where I was in in this world. So it wasn't even a maybe if I go see a doctor to give me hormones, I'll feel better. It, it wasn't that. It was just this deep darkness in my soul that mm. I was crying out to God about. And that's what I heard. He just said to me, Ask me to take it and I will. And so I did that. I was like, okay, then help me take it. And and I know he did because something shifted in, in my life. First of all, that deep dread went away. And when I talk about that deep dread is this just not knowing What's going to happen to you? Um, The anxiety, it it went away. The dissatisfaction with being human, just being here in this world anyway, Hmm. that went away. And I think I had a turnaround that day. That wasn't the end because the journey continued. But that day was a turning point for me where I was like, I can be comfortable in my own skin. Finally, I can. Yeah, I don't have to go through life anymore. Just not wanting to be here. So wow. that that was, I call that my day of deliverance where something shifted.
1: Wow. So how did that lead to you meeting your husband? Was it a long process or was it like, wow, suddenly I think that guy is good looking or, or how did that all come to be?
2: Well, that's the interesting thing. I also thought guys were good looking. Like I didn't, you know, I wasn't like, oh, I don't, anyone was okay in my eyes. Mm. I, right. uh, this is why I get when people are bisexual. You know, it's like, Oh, he's hot, she's hot, (laughs) everyone's hot. So because I didn't uh, validate my sexuality, I didn't really look at boys uh, or girls necessarily as sexual beings. Mm -hmm. It was just, yeah, you're a girl, okay. (laughs) Oh, you're a boy, you're fine, whatever. And so for me, I didn't really develop like some people do in that area. Like I never had a boyfriend. Uh, And as I told you earlier, if any boy came near me, I'd be like... Just yeah. shift, yeah. move on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, don't even, don't go there. So, told me I didn't. That I met him a few years later on. He was also in med school. We were in the same church, and he was just my friend. He was just a very unassuming person, and I felt comfortable with him that way because he he didn't really care for a lot of things that some boys cared for. So he was very easy to get along with. I could tell him all my secrets. And he wouldn't judge me. And I felt comfortable with him, almost like he was my brother kind of relationship. Um, and he was uh, at a point, I said to him, do you know you're my favorite friend? Uh, oh. And he'd be like, oh, that's so nice. Okay. <laughs> that is nice. <laughs>
1: friend-zoned hard. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And the thing is, he also totally friend-zoned me. Yeah. Because even when people say, oh, you guys hang around a lot. Is there something going on? He'd be like, oh, no. Oh, my goodness. No. Definitely not. So I think <laughs> he, he actually probably friend zoned me more than I zoned him. And, and it was comfortable because, yeah. you know, um, I could totally be myself with him. Uh, we didn't start out with a romantic type of attraction type thing. It was just a very practical friendship, friendship. which when I look back now and then we changed how we related. And he was like, why don't we get married? Sure. <laughs> Let's get married. And we did. Marriage came with its own uh, struggles that I didn't even see coming. But let me say this. Between when I had my turnaround, like I was between 20 and 21, and when I met Tomi, one of the things I said to God was, I'm okay to just be single the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I was okay with that. And one of the scriptures God spoke to me with when I was asking him, so what's the plan for me? Like, am I supposed to have a boyfriend? What am I supposed to do now? And it was the scripture in, in um, First Samuel where, you know, Hannah, the mother of Samuel, she was crying because she didn't have any kids. And her husband said to her, you know, am I not more than so many sons to you? And that was the scripture that came to me that day was, Mm. Am I not more than all of that to you? Would you just love me, God, even if you had nothing and no one else? And that was my decision that day was, you know what, God? I will love you even if you're all I have. Mm. That's enough for me. So I actually didn't think I would necessarily get married at that point. I wasn't going through life thinking, oh, my husband might show up now. Mm -hmm. I was more like, I'm okay. I'm I'm actually quite okay just being the way I am. And if this is the way it is the rest of my life, I'm okay with that. So Tommy coming into the picture kind of was a small surprise. But I think God had his own plans. Mm -hmm. I think People not getting married is totally fine if if that's where they're called to be. Mm-hmm. But some people will get married and have children, and God orchestrates those things his
1: way. Yeah, I just want to jump back. I'm just thinking about um, that time between you had your, as you said, turnaround. Did you feel like a burden was just lifted off to you? Or what did that look like for you in the daily life? Like you lived under this sort of umbrella of confusion. What did that feel like after
2: one hundred percent. It was like the burden was lifted from me Wow. because I'd been living a battle and just wrestling all my life from my very first memories was wrestling with why am I here? Why am I a mistake? You know, for a long mm-hmm. time, I felt I'm a mistake. I'm something's broken in me and God isn't fixing it. and uh, No one is fixing it. And so, yeah, that, that was a really heavy burden in my soul. As much as I was a Christian kid, it didn't change the fact that I, I had that very dark cloud over my life and very heavy burden in my heart that just didn't allow me to be really joyful, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened to me in my turnaround was really a Holy Spirit experience where, yeah. where God himself came into my journey and started to turn things around. So definitely was like a burden was lifted. I was comfortable in my own skin. I could finally just be who I was and not be dissatisfied that I was supposed to be someone else. Or I could be with my guy friends and be comfortable being a girl, not feeling like I wish I was one of you. Why mm. am I not one of you? Um, how do I become one of you? It was more like, yeah, I'm a girl and that's what it is. And that's okay. I could also be comfortable with just being satisfied. Like, you know, of course, I got mocked often like, hey, you're not getting any younger. All your other friends have boyfriends. What is your problem? Mm -hmm. And... It it didn't define me anymore. I was like, I guess I don't know, you know, like whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And I was still joyful. It it didn't become a thorn in my flesh. It wasn't a thorn in my flesh anymore. It's like that thorn got taken away. I I was just freed. Um, I could actually worship God. You know, like I said, i had been following this God a while. So what was the issue that I was following him and I wasn't a happy person? And and that got taken away that I could just feel the joy of the Lord, you know? So yeah, I call it a deliverance because it wasn't that I wasn't saved and it wasn't that I didn't believe in Jesus. But it's that God took something that was oppressing me. It was an oppression. It wasn't Mm -hmm. pleasant. And I, I take it very seriously when people have the same struggle because I think everyone just judges it as a sexual thing or it's about who you're attracted to or what you want to wear but it is also very much a soul struggle it's it's a poverty inside Mm. that no one really gets except you feel it and people feel it for different things but for that particular issue it is a burden Mm. so I was happy to be free Wow.
0: So I think in hearing you and thinking about responding to people who are kind of struggling hmm. um, or just maybe they don't, I don't know, maybe they don't think they're struggling and they're just kind of happy the way they are or maybe they do feel this kind of, you described it as being trapped in a body, kind of this impression. What, how should people who don't have uh, those feelings or those feelings of being trapped respond to those who are kind Mm. of wrestling through some of these uh, struggles?
2: The first thing is just acknowledging our humanity, I think. There's a story in the Bible that really, really speaks to me. I think it's in the book of Mark. It's where Jesus meets a rich young man. It's a pretty popular story. I think it's uh, Mark chapter 10. And Jesus meets this fine young man. And this guy comes to Jesus and says, Master, Master, good teacher. He actually says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? And Jesus said, why would you call me good? Like no one is good but God. And that always stuns me because Jesus in his humanity was acknowledging his humanity at mm. that time. And he was saying, why, why are you calling me good? Almost like, hey, me and you, we have the same issues. They may look different, but we both have our human issues. So when it comes to gender identity and sexuality, it's just one of many possible issues that we could carry. There's a passage in James that talks about we are tempted by our deepest desires. But that could look different for anyone. Mm -hmm. You know, for some people, it's not their sexuality, it's their greed or their appetite. For some people, it's... uh, their selfishness you know their that just lack of love it it just looks different so I think one thing first is just acknowledge that we're human and if we didn't need saving God wouldn't need to send a savior right and our struggles may look different but a struggle is a struggle like Jesus you know when when that young man asked Jesus okay what must I do and Jesus was like no one is good but God and Jesus then said well you know the scriptures you know the law Well, go do it. You know, and I see that as Jesus saying, God hasn't suddenly changed who he is. He's still the same God. He's he's already told us what he wants. And Jesus was like, well, you know what God already said, you know, the scriptures, right? Well, go do that. And the young man was like, I've done everything. And what must I do? Mm. And then the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And and that just moves me so much because we're talking about Jesus here, fully human, fully God. But at that point, very much in tune with his humanity. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. I think that's really important. It's not about loving what people do that says you love the person. You know, I could love you, mm-hmm. right. but not like what you're doing. You know, and I have kids. I've gone through that loads of times. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah. laughs>
1: it's like please don't do that all the
0: parents
1: (laughs) i often will tell my kids i love you at the moment not a fan but i love you that's right (laughs) you know
2: so it's not loving you doesn't mean i'm suddenly going to agree with everything Uh, actually that's dangerous you Mm. know mom can i have marshmallows for breakfast every day of course honey because i love you no right actually you know social services will (laughs) they'll come knocking on my door because uh, that's not love yeah so The Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. I think it's very important that for me, that's something I'm asking God to grow me in every day Mm. is to be able to do that. Look at someone and love them, irrespective of how they look, what they identify as and what they're doing. Just love them. Mm -hmm. And, And so and then the story goes on. Jesus looked at him and loved him and he said, well, there is this one thing you lack. And, and I, I love that because Jesus didn't say to him, yeah, you're right. You haven't really been obeying the commandments. He didn't argue with him about obeying the commandments, right? He was like, there is this one thing you lack. Mm-hmm. And that tells me sometimes there is a thing we lack as people. And what did he lack? And he's like, Jesus then says, go sell everything you Mm -hmm. have and follow me. (laughs) And and then the Bible says the young man was sad because he had great wealth. Mm -hmm. And many times that story comes across as a story about money. It's not about money necessarily. It's about what was possessing that man. So Jesus throwing him that anchor was, yeah, there is this one thing you lack. Is Even though you're obeying these commands, can you give up what your strength is, your wealth? Can you give up your entitlement? Can you give up what you think is right Mm -hmm. and just follow me? Just clean slate. Just follow me. And then he couldn't because even though he was following these instructions, he was possessed by his own ideologies, his own wealth, his own position. And it was hard. So I think this is my learning in my own journey. I've had to so many times say, God, less of me and more of you. Because it's not like I don't have my struggles. I told you I I recognize his voice. I can tell you loads of times when I have recognized it, but totally ignored it, you know, (laughs) like I'm not doing that, leave me alone, you know. And I've regretted it because when I look back And God reminds me, did I not warn you about that? And I'm like, yes, you did. I'm so sorry. And I wish I could just obey him. I wish I could just follow him. And even in my journey, you know, it's not one and done. Uh, I've had to choose to remain married. I'm not ashamed to say like in the first year of my marriage, I just wanted to run away. It wasn't because my husband was a horrible person. It was because I just struggled with having someone be a part of my you know I was like no I I think just go away now just leave me alone Mm. and I wanted to run away and it wasn't easy I went through a whole other process when it came to having kids that was also a struggle for us and we are where we are now but it hasn't been without its struggles but it has been can we just follow him that's been that's been what what I hear from him every time is can you put aside your ideology? can you put aside your ideas? Can you just follow me? And when I found in my life when I do surrender to that kind, good voice, the results
1: are good awesome <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing that. I wanted to ask when you you said having kids was a struggle I wonder is it was it really hard like that's a time in a woman's life where It's you're very, very feminine Mm -hmm. because you're doing something that it's a thing that only women can do. And as Mm -hmm. somebody who struggled with gender identity, and I know you had had that deliverance, but did that uh, give way to old feelings or thoughts? Emotionally, I, I was very deficient
2: because I don't know, maybe while girls are developing, they're supposed to develop certain emotional responses, which I just had buried for so long that I almost felt I didn't even have, like I wasn't capable of. Uh, I remember saying to God, I was like, please don't give me a girl child first because I'm going to ruin her because I, I will not know how to connect with I just, I can't. I don't know whether him giving me a boy child was an answer to prayer or not, but the, he did give me a boy child first. And I was like, thank you. I cannot deal with estrogen right now. (laughs) Not not like my first child. I just can't. But, you know, I I did have certain struggles. It wasn't so much about my body because by now I was attuned to this is the body I have. Um, I did not want to get pregnant. I actually really wanted kids. I desperately wanted a family. Even during my days of I'm denying my femininity, just I would rather not be this way. I still had this would love to have kids one day, yeah, you know, because yeah. at the end of the day, that's what my brain was designed. you know, that's that that was in me as much as I denied it. It is who I am., yep. so I did want to have kids. I just didn't have any idea how on earth that would happen. Um, so, so I was very happy to be a mom. I was just really anxious. that was I was like, I, I don't want to mess this kid's life up. Mm-hmm. I'm a broken person, like, I don't even know if I can be a mom, you know, but here's where God is God and God is good. Because we didn't even, we had trouble having kids, and I constantly blamed. My past, I'd be like, maybe something is really broken in me. Mm. Uh, maybe I'm not normal. And I remember one day my mom was praying for me, and she was like, "Oh God, everything that is so unwomanlike about my child, please fix it." And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> 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 oh, I am a mom. broken person." Um, but God came through yeah. for us, and and I call I call our kids miracles because of that. And I, I would say to you, after looking at everything. What do I prefer and what do I appreciate? I am a way better person with what Jesus has done in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I'm a good person. No one is good but God. It's that I'm a recipient of grace Mm -hmm. and mercy. And I remember the anger I used to have and how God has been dealing with that. That's not, that's just the power of God as he replaces that selfishness and the anger and the anxiety with His love and his joy. I am a recipient of that. I appreciate that. And when you talk about my transition in profession, it's not I didn't come into pastoral ministry because it's like something I had as an ambition. It's just that I find God has led me here somehow. And I, I again I have to acknowledge that's his doing. And so I have to respect that and be like, So God, what do you want to do with this? Because how how did I get here? I didn't it
1: wasn't the plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, usually you think you've done all the medical school. (laughs) Okay, enough school. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Job (laughs) security is there.
2: Uh, Everyone wants to hire you. You know, it's great. And so I'm here because God has brought me here. Mm -hmm. And I'm I I just want to follow him, you know. And I find When we do follow him, his way is good. Mm. He is a good God. He takes the burden away, but sometimes it feels like a burden to even follow him. Because I know how I struggled with, I know how I want to be. Why would you not let me be how I want to be? But when I was able to lay that down, then I got real freedom. And I think what would have happened if I just insisted, no, this is who I want to be. You can just back off. I think I would be a miserable person Mm. now.
1: It sounds like you have a life of totally surrender to God and everything else is secondary.
2: God have mercy. Yes, I pray so. Yeah.
0: I want to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about something else. Idea pronouns. Hmm. Uh, He, she, they. Obviously, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, wasn't really a a subject of conversation. I would just love to hear your perspective on pronouns and if to use them, when to use them, or Mm -hmm. yeah, how if you could share a little bit of how you processed pronouns.
2: So it has how I process many things comes from my recognition of culture and how Mm. powerful culture is. So I'm a slightly multicultural person, born and raised in Nigeria. I moved to the UK in my twenties and I moved here in my thirties and So I'm very aware of how people behave because of the culture. Now, the funny thing is, in my language, the pronouns are not like English pronouns. We actually use they, them as a respectful thing. The French kind of do that too. Interesting. Like to and vous. You know, I would maybe say use vous for you. I don't know if they do it in Canadian French, but the French I learned. For you, I might use vous for you. Because I'm trying to be respectful, but you is actually plural. Uh, no, sorry, Vu is actually plural. Okay. So, and it's like that in my language is we use they, them <laughs> if we're trying to be respectful. Okay. Mm. So it's very interesting how these things start to show. So, but it, that's not the same as using they, them because of gender identity, right? But I just digress there to say culture is a very powerful thing and it affects how we speak how we behave. The culture has changed in the last 10, 15 years for sure in terms of acknowledging issues to do with sexuality, gender identity. It's changed a lot. We didn't name these things many years ago. Now Mm -hmm. we name them. Have they always been with us? Yes. Are we acknowledging them now because the culture has become more aware? Definitely. And so in terms of pronouns, I would use somebody's pronouns as my sign of respect to them it's not you know and it's the same way like I was describing Jesus looked at him and loved him Mm -hmm. I don't you know loving a person is different from putting my own ideas on them immediately like even if I think yeah I'd rather not call you that it's my sign of respect to say if that's how you want to be known sure why not? I will use what you feel comfortable with me using. Doesn't mean I agree with it, but it's my sign of
1: respect to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I think we have an amazing conversation here and I think it's really important.
0: Can I ask you this?
1: Sure. (laughs) Oh yeah, we have to get it in there somehow.
0: (laughs) Being a parent now,
1: Hmm.
0: how would you have approached the situation differently For yourself? Like, Mm, good question. Yeah, like, so you're a parent, like, you're your mom now, Mm -hmm. you know, and watching your child kind of wrestle through everything. How would you approach the situation?
2: I learned some lessons from how my mom approached it. One was she loved me anyway. Not once did my parents chastise me for. Those statements I made or you're going in the naughty corner because you dare tell me you're a boy. They would sometimes laugh and sometimes they would scratch their heads like, what is really going on here? Is this yeah. child OK? Yeah. Um, they didn't let it become the center of my world, um, even though some of the decisions they made was because they were trying to like, get me in shape. And one of the things that my mom did do, which I'm getting more realization, was she immersed me in prayer. Hmm. And when I look at my deliverance because I had left home I was in university I purposely did not go to a university near home because I was like I just need to be rid of you guys (laughs) I just need to go I need to go so I wasn't near home Uh, my parents were not influencing my decisions at that point they had actually let me go and I appreciate that lack of anxiety that they didn't feel the need to kind of uh, bubble wrap me or be aware of everything I was doing, everywhere I was going. They kind of trusted God to go with me. And I I remember that now when I deal with my kids is, hey, the same God who went with you when you chose to leave home because you wanted to be far from the eyes of your parents but didn't leave you alone, that same God is with your kids now. Yeah. yeah. So it's that just not being anxious. I'm learning that is, you know what? God is their Father first. God can go where I can't. God can reach where I could never reach. So I have to trust Him. Mm-hmm. So trusting God, praying intentionally. I know my mom did that a lot for me. She prayed very intentionally for me. I mean, she used to pray about who I would marry, and I'd be rolling my eyes like, who told you I would marry? <laughs> uh-huh. Like, you know, leave me alone type of attitude. Yeah. But she prayed a lot, and I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. So again, praying for my kids is another lesson I learned there, is how do I deal with this? Um, So not being anxious, making sure we're praying. Uh, The other thing is teaching... My kids, the Bible talks about training up your child. It is our responsibility as parents to teach them. You know, we can choose for the world to teach them. And I'm going to throw this in there. Media is a huge influencer of culture. So when I was a kid, I watched Sesame Street. You know, the same things I picked up because I watched Sesame Street. There wasn't that much television in Lagos, in Nigeria at the time, that was the same as cable TV in the States, for example. But the things I picked up from media, they really influenced how I thought and how I behaved. So media can be good or bad. Mm-hmm. Some, some, sometimes media can be a huge influencer of culture, not the good way. Even sexualizing everything—that's mm-hmm. a media agenda right there. I personally feel like it's a, enough of a burden for a kid to be going through puberty anyway, trying to deal with all these hormones that they didn't have spiking, now they're spiking and then the media is constantly asking, what is your sexuality? How is your sexuality? Who do you have a crush on? Who do you not have a crush on? And I almost feel it's an agenda that just gives kids too much of a burden. Wouldn't Mm. it be great? Just play in the playground. Don't worry about this. (laughs) Don't worry about that. Be okay to be a kid. And like someone said, I heard someone say in an interview I was listening to, he said, You know, the people who write the scripts that your kids are watching on their kid programs are not kids. They're grown ups with their own issues who are writing scripts for kids to act out. So how is that influencing our kids necessarily? It means that if my kid is watching a show, for example, it's not necessarily looking at what real kids are doing. It's what somebody wrote in a script who is probably a grown up Mm -hmm. and the kids are acting out. So as parents, we do have to be aware what is the media agenda what are my kids being exposed to? Why and how is it going to help them? And when do I need to step in and say, hey, no, we're not watching that or no, we're not listening to that. I'm sorry. Like when you have your own house, feel free right now. No. When do we just take those bold steps to identify how is the culture being shaped and how is that shaping my kids? I find that there is the general culture and then there is a culture of The kingdom of God. Mm, And so, in in my intercultural experience and my multicultural views, I kind of use what is the culture that Jesus put forward? And is it extinct? No, it's not. It's always relevant, it's always current. Uh, Whose culture am I following right now? You know, I'm very conscious of that. Is yes, I know that's what's trending, but (laughs) it doesn't mean it has to be the way I am. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be doing what is trending so that's one thing that is big in in our houses yeah just because it's popular doesn't mean we're gonna subscribe like no
1: we're not doing that right now i have this book that i've read to my kids and it's just kind of talking about how everybody's different Mm -hmm. and i think there's a difference between like i mean granted my kids are four and two so it's for their age group, but it's talking about physical differences and things mm-hmm. like that. But we, we've also had conversations with, you know, some families have two moms and some families have two dads. Mm-hmm. And it's like we could continue the conversation to some girls want to be boys or something mm-hmm. like that. But there's a difference in the conversations that we have where it's not like I'm saying you should try that. It's more of like, let's be kind to them and let's love them. Yeah. And there's a difference. There's a fine line, right? Where you're not necessarily affirming it, but you're also leading with love, which. Yeah it was what you talked about in Mark, where he, he loved them, right? Mm-hmm. So teaching kids to just start with love, and Jesus will take care of the rest. That's right. Yeah. And I feel like that might be a simple way to do it with little ones. I, like I said, my kids are so young. That's where we're at.
2: Absolutely. Just yeah. teaching them to be kind humans. Yeah. first. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna put this out there. It is not possible to be what God wants us to be by ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not how determined we are, how strong we are, how many books we read, how many times we go to church. It's how close we are to him. Somebody could maybe not go to church that much and have a really deep, intimate relationship with God. And somebody could sleep and wake up in church and not necessarily even hear God. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think religiosity is a great thing but it's not necessarily intimacy with god we do need one another as a fellowship you know the bible talks about us being a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation that's the kingdom of god Mm -hmm. you know it says we're a different kind of people but we're called to show forth the goodness of god that is our mission in this life you know what did jesus come to do He, he came to bring light and life, and love. He didn't come to condemn us. You know, the Bible says he didn't come to condemn us. He came so that we would have abundant life, good life. Mm -hmm. So we can't do this by ourselves. We can't do it by our power. We need the Lord. We need this Jesus. Um, That's my message is I'm not here because I was determined or I was good. I'm here because God is merciful.
1: Hmm. I think that is, I mean, let's end on that note. That was really, really powerful. Thank you very much for sharing your story, Tolu, and again, thank you for being vulnerable. It's not an easy topic to talk about. I'm guessing we're probably going to have some comments on this podcast, but before you comment, I would ask listeners that just sit with this for a little bit and think about it, pray about it, see how God speaks to you through this. Uh, What I love about your story is that it's your story and it's your experience. Nobody can argue with the story.
2: (laughs) No. And, you know, let me just add this because I didn't add this in. I've taken years to find out why my story is my story. Mm. And we all have different ways that we have been influenced. But it took me many years to find out that my mother actually did want a boy child. Oh, Um, and And, you know, everyone's so different. It made sense then because... I actually had a boy name before I was born, because wow. there were no there was no ultrasound, and she was convinced she was having a boy child, and we didn't put that piece together. Even my mom didn't realize that until years later when I was trying to figure out, well, why was I born that way? You know, because mm-hmm. it wasn't a case of oh, someone did something to you. No one did anything to me. I was a baby, basically. So why? And then it clicked, and my mom was like yeah, I was convinced I was having a boy child and we actually gave you a boy name and we used to sing to you and call you this boy name while you were in the womb. And suddenly it was like, it wasn't really that complicated that I was born confused. It wasn't. And everyone's story is very different. Like you said, that's my story. Mm -hmm. But it did help to put that piece in to realize, oh, okay, (laughs) well, that makes sense. I get it now. And it's it's so different for everyone. For some people, yes, you're born with it. For some people, it's something you saw and it's stuck. For some people, somebody did something, they touched you or something, and it's stuck. In every one of those stories, God is still God. Mm-hmm. And he still has great plans and purpose for our lives.
0: I think if there's anything we're learning, it's just like how complicated <laughs> we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and also that we all have our own story, that we're all... Have our own journeys and and struggles that we're dealing with and teaching our children to be kind, mm. to be kind humans. And I think we could all be a little more kind and use a little more kindness in our world. So, yeah, thank you so much for your openness and honesty and sharing uh, on a topic that is it's it is hard to process for everyone because it is so complicated and mm. each person's experience, Uh, like you just shared is so Mm. different yeah thank you for sharing your story Mm -hmm. uh, and letting us listen
1: What a great conversation with Tolu.
0: Yes, so good.
1: Yeah, so many takeaways. Do you want to, we could share some? Yeah, why don't you go first? Sure. Yeah. One of my major ones was just her talk. I mean, it wasn't a huge part of her conversation, but just talking about pronouns. Something I've been thinking a lot about. It's it's a hot topic right now. And somebody asked me the other day, what do I think about using someone's pronouns if I don't necessarily agree with them or or, or what are my thoughts? And I, I think the conclusion I came to was that I just don't think it's worth it for me to disrespect what they want to be called. Yeah. Because what if they are maybe on the, the, maybe they're thinking about coming to church and I'm like, no, I don't want to call you by your desired pronoun. And then they never want it. Nev- then they never hear about the love of Jesus. I don't, That's not worth it for me.
0: Right. And something about, uh, I don't know, for me, I want to love people wherever they're at in their mm-hmm. journey. And um, obviously I, I I want them to experience Jesus, but I think, being able to approach someone where they're at, because I, I think Jesus also comes to us totally. <laughs> where we're at, yeah. and we're not always pretty, um, but He still reaches out to us. And even even when I think I don't have it all together, maybe someone else doesn't think I have it all together. And I think uh, using someone pronouns is is a way to show love. Uh, it's it is a way to show respect. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean. Like, like I agree with everything everyone does, right? right? But yeah. it's, it's, but it's still acknowledging someone where they're at in their journey, yeah. Uh, and and doing life with them, even though it might be a little bit uncomfortable. I think that's kind of when life's uncomfortable. Sometimes we close off or get defensive, and I think part, like part of the journey of like listening, even to Tolo's story, is for me is just learning to just take a moment to understand someone's perspective. That's a little bit different and experience like Mm -hmm, her, her whole experience uh, of kind of working through gender identity is, yeah, it's a, it's, it was so interesting to hear uh, her grow up kind of and live through her gender identity experience.
1: Yeah. It's so much more gray than I thought (laughs) it would be, you know, like very gray. And I think a lot of the conversation, especially in churches that's been had about gender identity is like, well, God doesn't make mistakes. You weren't really born this way, but when you hear Tolo's story, it's like she was like two. Yeah, and, and right? I'm not. I'm not saying we know the reason this happens, but it was interesting to me that like she's a two-year-old. I have a two-year-old. They don't really do much deep thinking. Yeah. Like, and so for that to be so ingrained, it, it was just it was really eye-opening for me.
0: And I think like. I don't know. For me, this is what it comes down to is like, how do I learn to love people in their brokenness? Uh, because Jesus first loved me in my brokenness. Yeah. And if I'm to extend love to other people, like how do I learn, listen and love uh, people that that is respectful. Not saying that there isn't going to be challenge with relationships. Like they're just, there, there will be, but still like, how do we learn to love and listen? Because I know that for me is the challenge for my own self Mm -hmm. of like learning to love and listen, people that are, that are different from me or have different experiences. Yeah. And let's lead with love. Yeah. I I think that's a,
1: yeah. And, and to like, sorry, just to clarify, I don't, again, I don't think we means we need to compromise on the message of Jesus I think sometimes we need to compromise on like on what we maybe think is super important. Maybe it's not because it's getting in the way of Jesus's love for people.
0: Yeah. And again, I I think just like you can have your convictions. Mm -hmm. You can have, we can all have our beliefs. And when it comes to learning to love someone, it's learning to like, I don't know, maybe a little bit of like separation um, and understanding people are at different places. Like, just because you're super convicted someone else absolutely they might not actually even be convicted of that at all right and yeah. it doesn't actually help them find Jesus by being
1: like judgmental almost yeah, yeah. right
0: like you like I don't know that's where the, kind of like with this podcast of you know just thinking about having two years in one mouth and like learning to listen more than we speak totally we're just yeah. So it was with good. That it was good. With that, with that said, we're done talking. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening, uh, and yeah, thank you for Tolu for for sharing your story yeah. with us.
1: If you want to let us know kind of your thoughts on this, feel free to send us a DM. We'll put some information on how you can get in touch with us in the in the show notes here, where we're still working out the details, honestly, on how that's going to work. But we would love to continue this conversation, so don't be afraid to reach out. Check the notes for how to do that, and. Uh, Yeah, thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: Bye.